Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is back. And so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Do you remember your first car? Even more so than moving out of your parents' house, your earliest car is often the gateway to feeling truly independent for the very first time. No matter the mileage, how it looked, or how it ran, it was yours. And our relationship with the automobile has always been self-reflective. How does this hunk of metal on four wheels represent me? Cars are never rational purchases, right? Efficiency, power, safety. Nobody ever buys a car because of that. People buy a car because of how it makes them feel. And you can't really say that about a washer and dryer, right? And shopping for a car is a whole other universe compared to 20 or even just five years ago. Could you imagine in 1984 laying down every dime and nickel you saved to purchase a car you never even set foot in or that could be delivered to your house? Now everything from our desktop to our phone to virtual reality can at least approximate what it would be like in the driver's seat. But there's no replacement for feel, for smell, for the dopamine hit when you wrap your fingers around a steering wheel. You know, if you really want the the in-person experience, that's where you do it as an auto show. I'm Jim Hankey, and this week is for car lovers. What better place is there to daydream a bit and see what's in store for 2025 and beyond than at this weekend's auto show? Let's get looped in, Chicago. Later in today's episode, I'll check in with veteran CBS journalist and former WBBM reporter Jennifer Kuyper, who has covered the highs and lows of the auto industry throughout her career. And we'll find out what it's like to test out some of the world's flashiest, priciest automobiles. But first, I sat down with Jeff Buckholz, editor for WBBM's Afternoon Drive. No pun intended. Now, you may not hear Jeff on air, which is a shame because he's got the pipes. But he is our resident car nut. He's an encyclopedia of automotive history, having grown up around Flint, Michigan, one of the car world's central manufacturing hubs over the decades. So because of that, we at WBBM are sending Jeff to this year's Chicago Auto Show, the nation's largest, where he'll put his pedal to the proverbial metal with our social team, showing you everything from high-end supercars to the Honda Moto Compacto, a literally foldable vehicle, which to me looks a little like a suitcase you can ride. Be sure to follow us at WBBM News Radio on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and on TikTok at WBBM News Radio 105.9 for all the visuals. ChicagoAutoShow.com has all the info you need, and the event itself is open to the public 
at McCormick Place this Saturday, February 10th through the 19th. Jeff sat down with me recently to dive into what excites him about this year's auto show in particular and about the draw of the automobile in general. Well, Jeff, when did your interest in cars start? When do you kind of peg that as, as far as your your passion for this? My earliest car-related memory was seeing our next-door neighbor's 67 Corvette that he drag raced. I grew up in mid-Michigan. Both of my grandparents were General Motors retirees. My dad briefly worked for Buick before getting wise and becoming an accountant. So, I mean, it was always just kind of around, you know, when you're a kid growing up in Flint, like everybody's got new cars every two or three years and everybody works in the industry and, and it just kind of happened. And my parents figured out pretty quickly that a cheap way to amuse their kid was to go to a car dealer on a Sunday afternoon and let him run around the <laughs> lot and look at cars and stuff and it just kind of stuck and it was a uh, it became a really great way to sort of connect with my dad over stuff too like we would go to auctions together he always wanted a c5 corvette because that's what a retired accountant with bad <laughs> knees really needs is a car that's a challenge to get into but right um but uh, yeah i've just kind of always been that guy it has just kind of always been part of me and i think a lot of people who like cars and follow them are probably the same way. Like they can't really identify when it happened. It just kind of happened. Yeah. It's in your DNA. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about your first car. Can you take me back to when, when you got that, what it was and, and sort of your feelings around that? I bought it the end of my senior year in high school. This would have been 1980 redacted. Um, <laughs> It was a 1979 Plymouth Horizon. It looked a lot like a Volkswagen Rabbit. Mm -hmm. It was green with a green cloth interior and a three-speed automatic transmission. That, that car moved me to college, uh, and it lasted six glorious months until I ran it into the back of a pickup truck <laughs> next to the airport in Traverse City, Michigan. And I totaled the truck, and I totaled my car. And that was that. Um and it would be another year and a half before I bought another car. Yeah. And then, you know, everything moved on. Oh, my God. So. Well, you lived to tell the tale. I Thank did. Goodness. And I got my car much later than a lot of my classmates got mm -hmm. cars. It wasn't a gift from, like, my folks or something like that. I bought that car. Yeah. That was my money. I love that thing. Having a car was just particularly in an, an area like northern Michigan where there isn't really great transit of any kind you need a car to go anywhere and do anything or even to just i don't know drive around and clear your head yeah, and so right. that car was my first opportunity to kind of experience that yeah well as an enthusiast you know what excites you the car show's coming up this weekend mm -hmm. what excites you about new releases is it style is it accessibility for what you can do inside of it now and in, in you know you're going to be looking at 2025s like what excites you when you go to a car show, like or or even just hear about a new model, what this company's doing, what are the first couple things that like really excite you and 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 drive your interest? I think it's really easy to build a one hundred thousand dollar car and have it be good. It's a lot harder to build a thirty thousand dollar car and have it be good. And I'll say, pretty much any car you find on the floor at McCormick Place or any car, any new car generally, is pretty good. It wasn't that long ago, and and I think you're 
of an age where you understand this, where you would go into dealerships, you were like, oh, God, that car's garbage. Yeah. I mean, and I've, I've seen plenty of new cars in my day where I would walk out of the floor and be like, oh, my God, that thing's a crap box, right? Yeah, right. Um, but all cars are kind of good now. The thing that I'm most interested in is sort of solving the equation. Does this car do what it was designed to do? Mm -hmm. There's a lot of, there's been a lot of innovation in terms of in-car technology, uh, which used to be really exciting. But now, I mean, I was looking it up uh, before I walked in here. I mean, you can buy a $16,000 Kia sedan that has wireless Apple CarPlay, which mm -hmm. 10 years ago would have been like some space age innovation, right? right? right. I'm always interested to see how electrification fits in mm -hmm. to a car maker's strategy, especially now. Some car makers are sort of all in, and we all know about Tesla and Rivian and Lucid's another one. And some car makers have sort of dipped their toe in a little bit. Ford has certainly done that with the uh, the Lightning pickup and the Mustang Mach-E and the uh, E-Transit van. GM is starting to get there. A few other companies are getting there. Hyundai, Kia are particularly... Uh, I'm interested to see where that kind of fits in. Yeah. But in terms of sort of usable technology, everyone's kind of on the level. Like everyone's kind of doing the same stuff. Right. And it's just a matter of how big a screen do you want? Like, yeah. do I really need to play my Nintendo Switch from the passenger seat of a car? No, I probably <laughs> don't. You know, Chicago has the nation's largest and longest running auto show. Mm -hmm. Is there anything we can point to that has helped those two things stay true over the years? Like, is it a central location or any reasons why, in particular, our auto show has become sort of the standard? I think it is a lot to do with location. Chicago is such a magnet for so many people around the Midwest. Also, Chicago is one of the four kind of biggest shows in the country in terms of media interest. Mm -hmm. The big media shows in the U.S. are in roughly chronological order, Los Angeles, Detroit, Chicago, and New York. We've always had a lot of media attention. Uh, car makers have frequently come here to world premiere uh, new cars. And frankly, the Chicago Automotive Trade Association, which puts on the auto show, does a really good job of marketing it. I think all of those things have helped. And also the fact that it's in a really nice convention hall. Mm -hmm. McCormick is is a terrific place to host a car show. It is after years of covering the Detroit Auto Show at what is now the Huntington Bank Pavilion, used to be Cobo Hall right downtown. Um, it's a very small venue. So the first time I got to McCormick, I was like, oh, my God, this is amazing. Uh, and while the show is not as big this year as it has been in terms of footprint, it's still going to draw millions of people. Well, I wanted to talk about headlines maybe going into this particular year. And correct me if I'm wrong, one of the auto manufacturers said that they were not going to be here at all. Is that right? Several of them okay. are not. So what are some of the big headlines going into this weekend? So the biggest no-show, and this was a little bit of a surprise for us, was the company called Stellantis. And when people first hear that name, they think that sounds like some kind of a high blood pressure medication, <laughs> yes. right? Ask I was going to ask my doctor about it. Right? Ask your doctor <laughs> if Stellantis is right for you. Um, but Stellantis is is now the parent company of Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, Ram, Fiat, Alfa Romeo, and a whole bunch of other makes that are not sold in the United States. And Stellantis 
announced fairly early in the process that they were pulling out of the Chicago Auto Show. The thing that made that such a surprise is, I think, the signature attraction, one of the signature attractions of this show over the last 10 years or so has been Camp Jeep. Mm-hmm. The big, huge, like, hill and the track where, you know, you climb into a Jeep and somebody drives you over, like, the big hill and through mud and stuff so you can see how great the Wrangler or whatever Jeep product is in that experience. Uh, every time I would go to the show, the lines for Camp Jeep would be ridiculous. And so the fact that Stellantis has decided not to come to the show, along with some other manufacturers, um, Mercedes-Benz is not at the show, Genesis is not there, uh, Mitsubishi is not there. It's a sign that car makers are finding new ways to market cars to people. Mm. The internet makes it a lot easier to do that. Sure. Um, you can more directly target people who you want to have buy your cars. Uh, you can give people virtual 360 degree tours of your Pretty much every website you look at now has like a 360 tool where you can spin the car around and look at the inside and so forth without having to go to an auto show. And in a lot of ways, those are uh, more efficient in terms of money and time than parking a bunch of cars uh, in an exhibition hall. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. That's a big industry deal that Stellantis, which is a fairly large company, with legacy brands is not going to be at the show. One brand, and we just found this out, that is going to be at the show, kind of, is Tesla. Tesla has not been at the Chicago Auto Show in any capacity. And the reason for that, it comes down to how Teslas are sold. Because Tesla does not have dealers, per se. If someone goes in to buy a Tesla from a store, they're buying it from the company. Mm. Whereas most other experiences if you go to a ford dealer and you buy an f-150 you're not buying it from ford you're buying it from a dealer that has already purchased the vehicle from ford and now they're selling it to the buyer right right right. and the car show is put on by auto dealers and the names are names that people who listen to the radio are very familiar with berman webb rohrman Joe Rizza, all everybody knows who those names are. Tesla doesn't have dealers, so Tesla isn't part of that organization. Got it, right. Uh, the folks at the auto show have said that they've asked Tesla to be part of like an EV demonstration thing, and Tesla has always said no, largely because they feel like they don't probably need a lot of help selling cars. Tesla's one of the biggest electric car brands in the world. Mm-hmm. But this year, Tesla is going to have cars in the EV test track experience, which is actually sponsored by the IBEW, the Electricians Union, Okay, which is smart. There will be Teslas there along with other EVs from other companies. Got it. The fact that Tesla will be there in a real way for the first time, maybe ever, is kind of a big deal. Yeah, absolutely. People might not know specifically what car makers are in their own backyard here. I think listeners... May have gotten a little bit more familiar with that during the UAW strikes of last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, the president came out here and mm-hmm. uh, made an appearance. Um, what makes and models are crafted here in Illinois that might interest people? So Illinois' car building history isn't as rich or robust as Michigan's or even Wisconsin's, really. But there's some notable cars and other vehicles that are built here. Most notably is the Ford assembly plant at 130th and Torrance down in Hegwish, down on the far south side. 
The plant opened in 1924, building Model Ts. It is now building the Ford Explorer, the Lincoln Aviator, and the police version of the Explorer, which is called the Interceptor Utility. Uh, it is the only plant in America that builds those three models. Mm. They run, I think they run three shifts. They have 4,800 workers. It's a pretty significant part of the south side, far south side economy. There are a number of parts warehouses around here. There's a General Motors parts warehouse in, I think, Bolingbrook. And there's a Stellantis depot in Naperville, I think. Uh, and each of those employs about 150 each or so. You mentioned President Biden's visit here. He visited a plant but that's between Chicago and Rockford in a town called Belvedere. It is the Belvedere assembly plant, uh, which is owned by Stellantis and was built in the 60s by Chrysler Corporation. And one of the reasons that the president came here was to celebrate the fact that in the contract with the UAW, Stellantis agreed to sink more money into the Belvedere plant. There's yeah. one more that's notable, um, and it also has Chrysler roots. In the 80s, Chrysler Corporation and the Japanese carmaker Mitsubishi created a partnership called Diamond Star Motors, and they built a plant down in Normal, down by Bloomington. At first, they built kind of small, uh, sporty cars. Uh, folks may remember the Mitsubishi Eclipse, the Eagle Talon, uh, the Plymouth Laser. Uh, those were all Diamond Star cars. Those were all built in, in normal. And, I mean, the Eclipse, they built the Eclipse for a long time. Uh, they also built Mitsubishi Gallant sedans at that plant, and it closed some time ago uh, and reverted back to the state of Illinois. The state sold that plant to Rivian, the electric truck maker, for a dollar some years ago. And they are now building the uh, R1S and R1T, the sport utility and the truck, the all-electric vehicles, in that plant, which oh, okay. is a great example of finding new uses for kind of legacy assembly plants. Yeah. And in this way, you know, making a truck that is, I mean, I'm seeing more of them now on the road. I think everybody kind of is. It's sort of the, and they're also building, Rivian's also been building the new Amazon electric delivery trucks that everybody oh, okay. has seen out there. The ones with the big round headlights. Yes, right. So that's another an example of the state finding uses for this this kind of property that would just sit right fallow yeah. for whatever. There's there are people working there. The trucks are very popular, and they're you know putting people to work. Yeah. Well, let's close things out talking about uh, you know I want to let people know that they can keep up with our social media at WBBM News Radio on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and also on TikTok. We're at uh, WBBM News Radio 105.9 there for for videos of the auto show this weekend. Uh, my question to you is people are going to see you doing all this stuff. Do you have a strategy of what you want to hit first? Do you plan what you want to do like a day ahead of time? What do you round out the day with? Like, kind of walk me through your strategy. I hesitate to talk about this <laughs> because I do not want people to steal my gig. I gotcha. I gotcha. However, in the interest of the company, <laughs> First of all, it's easier to get to the auto show than ever. The CTA opened a Green Line station at McCormick Place, near McCormick Place, a couple of years ago. So it's super easy to get down there, which is great. I usually drive because then I can park in the deck next to McCormick Place, which is connected by a sky bridge. I can leave my coat in the car. Mm -hmm. Right. So I'm not 
dragging it around with me and go. getting overheated while I'm looking at cars. Yeah. Usually buy my ticket ahead of time through the website. Auto Show website and app are pretty robust. It's the kind of the way to do it. When you walk into McCormick Place, you're sort of invited to walk past the dancing water fountains up the stairs and in through kind of the main entrance. There's also a side entrance by the ticket kiosks with two sets of escalators going up, taking you right up onto the floor. That's how to go. And I go when it opens on Sunday, the moment it opens on Sunday, while the good people of Chicago are at church, bless their hearts. <laughs> I'm at my church. The, right, Bu yes. the Buick display. <laughs> I love uh, it. I love it. Oh, that's so great. Uh, so that's, I mean, that's kind of how I do it. And then I, in an hour and a half or so, I can usually speed run through the exhibits and get a decent look at cars um, before the people kind of get overwhelming. I was having a conversation yesterday with a couple of people and somebody was talking about, you know, they, they really like going to shows, but it, it gets overwhelming because all these kids are sitting in cars. And I just, I want to say something in defense of eight-year-olds everywhere because I was one. Um, <laughs> the kid who is in front of you sitting in the Mustang is probably going to be a car fan someday. And that should be encouraged. There's a lot of discourse about cars in our society and their environmental impact and their lack of efficiency and, and use of resources. And I get all of that. But cars are also, for a lot of people, a necessity. A lot of people need cars to get to work. Cars are never rational purchases, right? Right. Uh, you certainly can, you know, gauge efficiency, power, safety, whatever. But Nobody ever buys a car because of that. People buy a car because of how it makes them feel. And you can't really say that about a washer and dryer, right? Right. So let let kids jump all over the cars. Let them have fun. Be patient. Be encouraging because we need more enthusiasts, not fewer. Yes. The next generation of car lovers is exactly. there this weekend at the auto show. That's right. Uh, Jeff, I'm so excited to see it sort of through your eyes and people can uh, visit the social media channels this weekend to check everything out if they're not going themselves. Have a great time. Can't I wait will. to hear about it when I we will. get back. And thanks for joining me today. Thank you. Coming up, Jennifer Kuiper joins me to discuss more angles of the Chicago auto show. Stay tuned. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. 
Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Jennifer Kuiper is a veteran broadcaster of national and local Chicago radio with a rich history of covering the auto industry, including the bankruptcy of Chrysler and General Motors in 2009. We began our conversation talking about how, unlike Jeff, cars weren't a huge part of her upbringing, but through her coverage of the auto industry for various outlets, a true passion began to bloom. I started covering the big three, and I covered them at the most interesting point in time when two of them filed for bankruptcy protection. Ford did not. Uh, Ford was smart. They kept cash on hand. The CEO at the time decided, I'm going to take out some big loans. And people were like, are you crazy? Best thing he could have done, because what happened in 2008, 2009, you had the Great Recession and the banks started or stopped loaning money. But yet they were able to keep up that regular daily operation and a little bit of research and development. You know, you've gotten also to test drive some incredible vehicles over the years. Yes. Has there, has there been anything recently that you've been super excited about? Because some of these cars, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I mean, some of these cars that you've been behind the wheel of are like $400,000 cars, right? This, this is yes. not something, this is not something your average person will even be able to do at this upcoming auto show necessarily, you know, a car like that. But talk me through it. Like, what are some things, what are some experiences you've had behind the wheel that have been pretty memorable? Sure. Just to give you an idea, I am a member of the Midwest Automotive Media Association, and we have two rallies a year, one in the spring, one in the fall. Uh, one of them is held up at Road America. It used to be held at the Audubon, uh, but more recently at Road America. And I get to take some cars out on the track, and I uh, get to take others just for street drives, which actually, I at this point, I kind of like the street drives quite a bit. It really gives you a good sense of what the daily driving would be like. The The track driving is a lot of fun. But I'm not there to race. I'm reminded of that because they put up uh, cones called chicanes. So you can't go that fast. <laughs> um, but I do get to kick it up to around 80 or 90 and get a good idea of what the car feels like. So I would say that some of the things, the most recent one that I drove was the, the Mustang Dark Horse. And I think that's about $60,000 before options. <laughs> but I enjoyed it. And it was a fun muscle car. I think I got it up on uh, maybe 50, 55. I won't say where. And, uh, <laughs> but I like the BMWs on the track, the M4, I call it the green monster. That was fun. I really enjoyed that. That was the first time I actually, I drive manual, but that was the first time I used paddle shifters. Really enjoyed that. And, uh, the, one of the cars you referred to, that was the Rolls Royce, the $400,000 car. I felt like I shouldn't even go next to it, let alone sit in it. Uh, that was not a track drive. Of course, that was just a street drive and it was a very comfortable street drive. No great Poupon though. So. No, <laughs> you would think it would be included. Yeah, I you would think that. for four hundred some thousand dollars. Yeah, it should have been. <laughs> well, do do auto manufacturers have to keep their do they have to keep their budget in mind so that they're not spread too thin over multiple cities? Like we we're very proud of the auto show here. It's one of the first, if not the first, one of the largest, if not the largest. But are there conversations that these companies have to have internally where they go, okay, if we showcase in Chicago, we have to skip LA this year. Anything like that? Well, I think what you're leading up to there is that Stellantis pulled out of this year's show. I was not surprised that an automaker pulled out. I was surprised that an automaker pulled out so late in the game. And that, you know, I'm not privy to the inside information, but we do know that there was a UAW strike late last year. And that really spread from the late third quarter into the fourth quarter. And when you're looking at budgets, you know, they, the UAW came out with a pretty good contract on that one. And so that may have played a role into it. 
And it's not been a new question about are auto shows worth it? It's been something that's going on for, I'd say, a few years now, a couple, you know, the question coming up. And one of the things is fun, it's fun with Stellantis is that they have Jeep and you always go to that, that Jeep track. You, you can never, you can't miss it. It's the tallest one in the place. Uh, so that won't be there this year, but there are more than enough other things and other experiences that you can do, other tracks, other simulators, outside driving. We have one of the best auto shows in the country. I think, in my opinion, I'm, okay, I'm biased a little bit, <laughs> but but I, you know, I've, I've been to Detroit. I love Detroit show. I haven't been to it in quite a few years, though. I have to say, I did go to the Twin Cities. I went up there to their auto show. Uh, I think it was in 2020, and I walked in and thought, wow, this can't even come close to Chicago. <laughs> so, uh, so we do have a really good auto show, and it's a great experience for consumers because if you're if you want to look at a whole bunch of cars in one place instead of driving from dealership to dealership. Or maybe shopping online isn't for you because you don't get the great idea of what the car looks like. I mean, pictures, you know, can really be you know, fancied up, let's say, gussied up. You know, if you really want the the in-person experience, that's where you do it as an auto show. Well, Chicago is known as more, this particular show is known more as a consumer one, a family auto show, if you will, mm -hmm. versus more of an industry one. Has that been by default or by design? Like, has it always been that way? I think it's largely been that way, but the types of activities have changed. They, you know, they had like a, a beer event, which you wouldn't ever think about having at an auto show, but right. they did it with the recommendation, please don't drink a drive, blah, 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 you know. Yeah. Um, but, you know, what's really hot these days, if you want to bring in young the younger crowd, it's the craft brews. It's, you know, so, I mean, it was kind of a neat event to see. But, I mean, they have a, a ton of stuff that that they have scheduled this year. I mean, that, that was a that was what it was. Friday night flights, craft beer tasting, and they are having it again. Yeah. Uh, they have a food drive at the show where you bring a can and you get a certain amount off of the ticket price. They have all those things that aren't special but are at the show every day would be the simulators. I love simulators. But I'm a kid who grew up with 80s and Pac-Man, and I love video games. So, you know, give me a good pole position. I'm I'm happy. <laughs> <laughs> I think that they're always looking for new ideas, but I think it's kind of come with the territory, at least over the last decade, maybe two decades or so. Right. Well, and Chicago doesn't have a great history with like, I'm remembering like 10 cent beer night, you know, in <laughs> Comiskey Park or whatever, you know, I mean, it's right. like we, there are some things we don't necessarily need to bring the beer into, but that's great. They, they're trying to attract, obviously, maybe not a different demographic, but try to make that newer demographic come back year after year. And that's one thing I wanted to get to was, you know, next month, believe it or not, will be Uber's 15th anniversary oh, from, from, from the founding of the company, right? So, in regard to ride sharing and how it's been so embraced since then, what buying trends can we gather from young people? Is there a generational pivot from the quote unquote need for an automobile? And then how does it affect shows like this? I think you're seeing the younger set and the older set, the retirees who are turning more toward getting rid of the car, especially if they live in the city. If you live in the suburbs, you need a car. I mean, you really do. But I think one of the interesting trends, and I would watch this because General Motors recently announced, and I'm talking within the last week, maybe two weeks, that they are not scrapping their EV program, their electric vehicle program. They're putting it kind of to the side because it looks like dealers are ordering more hybrids, which is to me was a question that should have been brought up a long time ago. And I've been asking it was, why would this automatic jump to electric vehicles? This is not a cheap option. It's not cheap if you're just out of school. How are you going to pay for an EV, a $40,000 car, which one of the things that has really hurt, I think, how hurt EV sales is that the rebates are so confusing. You can buy this car and you get a rebate or 
you know, you can buy this car, but you don't get the rebate. But, you know, I mean, it's just the, the government, I didn't think, laid it out. And I, my biggest complaint about the EV program is I'm not getting an EV until you tell me that you have a nationwide charging program that is acceptable and they're in locations that are well lit and they're safe. And as a, a woman who's, you know, maybe stuck somewhere for 45 minutes, I don't want to be in the back of a dark parking lot at nine o'clock at night charging. Right. And I want to make sure, too, that I have somebody I'm taking care of across the country. I need to get into a vehicle and go. And if you can't get me a good car, a good EV with range, we've got a problem. However, I will say in, in the part of the EVs, they are beginning to improve when it comes to range and how right. far you can go on a single charge. Yeah, I mean, that is one of the things I think I, I still drive a gas car, but that's one of the things I think about is how anybody gets the knowledge, right, of the mm -hmm. distance between charging here and charging there and driving. Uh, my wife and I lived in Nashville for a while. Well, how many places will I really be able to stop in Kentucky and southern Indiana and that sort of thing to be able to? Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. So that makes a lot of sense. And it sounds like I don't want to generalize, but it sounds like if gas cars are A and EVs are C, it feels like we didn't do a great job with B, right? Like the high, the hybrids that you're talking about, there should have been a slower, maybe deeper embrace of that before we went completely EV. That's the way I feel. And some people would criticize me for saying, no, no, EV was the way to go. And I always felt like, you know, and somebody will rag me about this, I'm sure, but uh, would say, you know, well, this was the way for the industry to go. And I would say, no, I feel like it was shoved down our throats. I think it's an interesting program. I think it is a great way to go eventually. But there were so many unanswered questions that last year I did a, a one week series on it about, you know, what does it take to put the charger in your home? There are two different kinds of chargers. So, you know, I had to explain what those were. We talked about like what I just mentioned, which was the safety on the, on the charging system. I asked somebody with the state government how long it was going to reasonably take to get the charging system that the federal government wants for, through the states. How long? And she said about five years. I don't have five years. I got to drive now. Right. <laughs> so I think there are just things that we, they jumped into too fast and uh, that we should have asked more questions about. But I, I do think that I could see the younger set and the older set, the retirees that we talked about and the younger folks who are taking Uber, I could see them doing more of a, like say maybe the new Prius something like that. So you have not the necessarily the plug-in, but you have the the battery gas combo where you drive up until about, you know, 35, 40 miles an hour, and then the gas engine kicks in and recharges the battery. So you don't have to worry about thinking about having to plug something in. You know, AI obviously gets talked about so much in every aspect of our lives these days. I think there's a lot of truth to what it can do. I think there's a lot of magic and mystery that we still don't know. But I, I look at AI in the auto industry as like, you know, the three big things like manufacturing, shopping, and then guidance, like as you're actually driving it. Where does AI sit in this conversation currently? Do we expect there to be a lot of mention of that at this particular show? What are you hearing and seeing? I think it will be dabbled upon at the show. I think the conversation is just beginning. And I think that one of the things that came to light, and I'll say, you know, I'm a member of SAG-AFTRA, which is the union that that struck, not not our division, but they got AI protections for their workers. Uh, I'm sure that the United Auto Workers were very concerned about that, but I don't know for the general public yet that they're really thinking about AI in automobiles. And I think that it will become more of the conversation as we move along here. I think there are some other changes that are taking place first but I'm not saying by any means that it's not going to be discussed. But sometimes at the auto show, they do have discussions and somebody's bound to ask it. I'd be curious as to what they ask. You know, I'm curious about, I know on my iPhone, for instance, 
it gets used to repetition, right? So like I take a train to station here during mm -hmm. the week and sometimes uh, I will doze off on the train on the way home because it's like an hour long train ride. So I set an alarm for myself. Well, now before I even think about setting the alarm, my iPhone goes, hey, I notice it's about this time of day. Do you want me to set an alarm for this, right? So it's that predictive feature of yes. like, I've gotten used to your routine. And driving is one of those things where if somebody drives somewhere five days a week at the exact same time and passes this business all the time and what have you, I'm thinking the possibilities are endless for integration of, you know, and I'm just naming a company like Dunkin' Donuts being able to throw a, a coupon in your <laughs> in your dashboard or something, being like, hey, I know you're driving by. What, what do you say we stop for a coffee? Absolutely. One of the early challenges in the industry with the entertainment systems that we had was that they were too distracting and they were too cumbersome and just too difficult to use, you know, when you were using your car, which you shouldn't be doing while you're using your car, but AI could help that. But to what degree? And then there have also been questions about hacking. You know, can somebody hack into your car and can they can take over control? And so I think those are some of the two more of the more interesting things when it comes to what you just mentioned. And then also, you know, is somebody going to try to take over my car? <laughs> <laughs> well, let's let's leave people with some headlines that you are looking forward to with this particular auto show. What excites you about this year's show? What headlines are grabby to you and, and, you know, just a couple things for people to look out for. I think the one thing that I mentioned was about hybrids, if that's going to be coming up in the conversation more. And I think it's a little late for this show to bring in more hybrids, but I would say definitely next year, look for that. If this, if this is going to be the trend, if, if we're going to see, because one thing we know in the auto industry is that if one of them does it, the others usually follow. It's just like the airline industry. <laughs> so will the others follow GM more? And I think that that could be one of the conversations that comes up, like you mentioned, AI might. And also, what's the coolest car? <laughs> you know, that's what everybody wants to know is what's really cool. I think, you know, some of the things I've heard, you know, I, the Lyric, which is the Cadillac, which I could never afford in my life, <laughs> but it's uh, an EV that uh, maybe, maybe some folks are interested in kind of fancy. And, and then of course, with this show, you have automakers from around the world. So you will get some of those, you know, Alfa Romeo, which, which actually I've seen more of those on the road lately than I have seen in many years. I mean, that used to be one of those cars you couldn't touch, but I've seen more everyday drivers of Alfa Romeos. And uh, also there, the neat thing about the auto show too, is that they have that fancy car area. <laughs> And those are the car, like if you want to see a Rolls Royce up close, that's where you go. And you have to go behind the glass and into the area to walk around and, and check those out. I love that, that, that section. That's just such, so neat where you can see your Lamborghinis and, you know, your, uh, well, not Corvettes, because that's not fancy enough for that area, but, <laughs> uh, but that's, you know, fancy enough for GM. Uh, so I think that, that those are some of the things that will come up. I know Subaru in the past is they made like a whole wilderness setup last time. It was really cool. And then I think it was Subaru that also brought in the puppies. That's a huge hit. You bring in puppies, you got everybody. <laughs> the puppy and car show, I think, is the future. That's of, it. That's of it. Chicago. That's it. You can get a date or a car if you have a puppy. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, Jennifer, thank you so much for your expertise on this. I really appreciate it. Where can people check, check out what you're doing currently, by the way? A World News Roundup Late Edition is uh, what we start my shift with, and uh, then every top and bottom of the hour on CBS News Radio, and of course on WBBM at the top of the hour. Fantastic. I appreciate you sitting in with me today. Thank you so much. Great. Thanks for having me. Have a good one. This episode of Looped in Chicago was written, hosted, edited, and produced by me, 
Jim Hankey with additional recording by Chris Lopez and additional editing by Ariel Ravenny. WBBM's news director is Craig Schwalb, and Myron Kaplan is our managing producer of national news podcasts. Be sure to follow us on TikTok at WBBM News Radio 105.9, as well as on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at WBBM News Radio for all of Jeff's updates from this weekend's auto show. Thanks for listening, and we'll keep you looped in again right here next week. See you then. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.